Hey there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where we make getting sleep help easy because you deserve to be a happy, healthy, and well-rested family. Today, I am getting a little feisty, probably the most feisty I've ever been on the podcast because I've just had enough. I really have, y'all. If you are listening to these episodes, first of all, if this is your first one, what a one to start listening to. You're going to know my opinion on things very quickly. But if you've ever listened to these, any of our episodes, you know that I don't really step in um, battles. I don't really step into um, you know this versus this mentality. But over the weekend, um, we had a comment come through on Instagram, and I shared all about it on Instagram about someone basically telling me that I suck as a human being because I teach sleep training. And I am essentially very much fed up with the anti sleep trainers out there because it's the emotions that they are spewing on others that are, it's just completely unfair. And I, vow to not get into the battle. I vow to not make it my mission to have this chip on my shoulder and constantly talk about it. But yet I feel like, and I see that the people who are anti-sleep training will be loud and proud about how awful it is and make you feel awful about it. And I just won't have it. I just won't. And so I wanted to get in today a pretty raw conversation with one of our Little Z's team members, Vanessa Kynes. She's also a sweet friend of mine um, and a mom of three. And she's been through the whole gamut of babies, newborns, sleep training, raising kids. Her oldest is 10. And obviously, neither one of us are done raising children, but we are out of the baby sleep world. And I think we can come to this other side and recognize a lot of problems that are going on. So I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. If you're driving, walking, doing some laundry, holding your child in the middle of the night, I'm not sure, but I'm so grateful you're here. And I just hope that this conversation will begin almost like a wave or a ripple of understanding that the loudest voices out there on social media telling you that we should be arrested. This is a literal post that it should be illegal and we should go to jail for sleep training our children. I hope you will recognize the falsity of their statements and how everything that is shared by those accounts are never offering help, but simply offering shame. And I won't have that. I will, I will commit to having a platform to having a podcast, to having a blog, to having our YouTube channel, to having everything that Little Z's puts out there to be of help. Like our intro says, we want to make getting sleep help easy. I never said I wanted to shame your wanting to get sleep help because I've been there. I've been there in the times where you needed help. So I could keep going on and on with this intro. Um, Just warning, this is a little bit of a longer episode. You probably saw that by the timestamp. And this is just raw Becca sharing my raw opinions that I have never shared before about the anti-sleep training world. I hope this is helpful to someone out there and I appreciate you being here. Guys, I'm so excited to introduce a new guest on our podcast. She's not at all new to me. I don't even know how long. I think it's been two years that we've known each other. But Vanessa and I are like kindred spirits when it comes to 
the importance of sleep (laughs) and like why we love it so much. In fact, that's pretty much how we started bonding was because she saw what I did. She is a full believer in it. Vanessa is just a really easy person to connect with anyways, but here at little Z, she's also our Pinterest manager, content manager, cheerleader, all the amazing Mm -hmm. things. So, and bigger and better than that, she is wife to will and mom to three girls who we just yesterday were texting that we're so glad that we are out of the, (laughs) you know, baby trenches because we worked, put in the work and now we're on the other side and we're like, yes, things are good. Life is good. Life is hard, but life is still good. So anyways, long intro, but welcome Vanessa. Yeah. Well, that's, that was a great intro. Yeah. My oldest daughter is 10 years old and I totally remember being a new mom. Actually, my daughter was born in the UK, um, which is a very un- sleep training friendly place. And, um, I just remember being so helpless because I needed sleep. I didn't know how to get her to nap. Um, we had lots of issues and it wasn't until I discovered things like wake times and going to bed early and how sleep gets sleep that things really began to change. And so with my, um, second and third daughters, I had a plan. I implemented them, you know, from pretty much the beginning and, we have been able to travel. My kids get invited <laughs> to people's homes because they sleep well at night. We just are so grateful that we implemented these practices early and they, my, my girls don't complain about bedtime and they get it. They know what to expect. So it's worth it. Absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting. Like before we started officially recording, we were talking about grandparents and grandmothers and kind of like, you know, people have asked me, why is sleep training like a new thing? And I don't think it's a new thing. I think it's just a term now. I think we're more aware. I think we have monitors, we have opinions that can be spread on social media. We have like kind of this new age of being a parent that before, you know, in the old and the other generations, there were elements of, you know, putting your baby down and then falling asleep independently, sleep training ways. They just really weren't labeled, I think. Would you say that's about correct? Yeah. I think that when I talked to my grandmothers, they, they just didn't worry that much about all of these things. I mean, they just knew that babies needed sleep and they would put them down. I will say that I believe that early waking was probably something that most grandmothers would just get up and pick up their babies. Mm -hmm. That was probably one thing they had a hard time correcting, but in general, I think that they swaddled them or put them to bed and they didn't have all these all this baby sleeping gear. I don't think they were co-sleeping. I don't think that that would have been okay with husbands for them to be in the bed. So I don't know. I feel like maybe moms and the whole kind of granola movement have really empowered moms to like do all these things that are just not helpful for teaching a child to sleep on their own. I, I absolutely agree that like, and especially the information age, right? Like having access to your fingertips, not only makes us anxious and, and like question things on the reverse of that though, on the really wonderful side of it, I'm so happy to live in a time where I can get help with things. Like I think about my mom who didn't have, you know, specific help with things as a, as a corporate working mom with three young daughters, right. That I, I have access to now. So on the other side of this, I'm so grateful that my job exists, that I can, you know, link arms and help people. It's pretty awesome. But now with all of the things that we just said, of course, there are the trolls and the parent shamers. And that is why we want to, you know, what we wanted to talk about today, because, you know, probably all of you, most of you follow us on Instagram at little Z sleep. And I shared about this comment that we received that 
like I, I, I literally, I read it and I just started laughing out loud and Chad was like, Oh, what's so funny? <laughs> I'm like, well, it's actually not funny. It's sad. And so I read him this comment. She commented on one of my, um, information tip posts and said, stop telling people to be neglectful parents and sleep train. You actually suck as a human being. And I laughed because how sad that is. But like, I come laughing now, like, can you, first of all, your filter should always be what you type on your phone. Could you actually say that out loud? Like I could, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't even put myself in the same shoes, but could this person stand in front of me and look at me and say, Becca, you suck as a human being. Probably not. I would say that they're hiding behind their computer screen. And that is the difficulty of the internet that we can hide behind normal social cues. And, um, it does make me laugh because I really want to know like how happy she probably is a miserable person. (laughs) I know I had so many like amazing people come and say, that's probably because her kid doesn't sleep. And I was like, yeah, it's probably true. But here's the thing. Like, and that's not new. That's not new at all. It's not like I shared that comment and was like, Oh my gosh, this is the first time I've been attacked. Like I have so much experience and people not liking what I do from being chewed out on, um, I have a, I did a Skype call one time with this mom. Um, and her grandmother was like, she, she was the primary caretaker during the day while her daughter worked. And the grandmother just chewed me from top to bottom because she had nine children and she never had to do any of this. And, you know, yeah, there comes the grandma thing. Right. And I'm, you know, getting chewed out by her getting kicked out of someone's, you know, literally getting kicked out of someone's house, having like a dad just berate me in front of the wife who hired me, like, emails, awful emails, getting like all this is not new to me, but I shared this post because I want people to know that like, this happens for sure. And it happens to everybody else and they're not alone in it. And parent shaming is just awful and hurtful. What was the word that she used in her, your, um, the quote, was it, she said, what specific? Stop telling people to be neglectful parents and sleep train. Right. Neglectful. That's such a power charged word. And I think that that touches on why the anti-sleep training community, like they want you to feel guilt and shame and like, you're so selfish. And, you know, before we did this call, you did a Q and a asking your audience about why they chose to sleep train. And, um, I have the results in front of me and I was reading through them and it's all about And I think this is where it comes down to it as a mother. I think the old days, or maybe there is a perspective that we're supposed to like literally give of ourselves. We give our body, our blood. If you know, we have bio kids. And then if we have bio and adopted kids, we're giving them our milk, our time, our, um, all of our energy. And I think that's wrong. I think we need to flip the switch and say, happy mom, rested mom, a mom who's caring for herself is going to be a better mom. And so I think that the argument is all based on your, you're selfish as a mother. If you like, don't literally give your all, including your sleep at night. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that that sounds ideal that a mother would be able to do that, but that's just not how we function as humans. Like we were created to get sleep. Sleep is a good thing. It's not a lazy thing or a slothful thing. We need right. that. Our cells in our body, just getting into the science, they literally need that night sleep, that REM sleep to clean out, you know, to flush out, um, I guess, brain debris or whatever. So, oh yeah, it's true. It's the exact word. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think when we get into the science of it, which we have more of now, obviously you can see that no, like this is how our bodies were designed to function. So let's see what we can do to 
get our kids healthy and their kids need it too as well. Right. I mean, sleep, it, it is the, when you think of like the, um, hierarchy of needs, right? Like you can't even think about anything else before you think of shelter, food, sleep, like, like you have to have these things in order to even go to the next level. And when you don't have that, you know, the results of people saying like, you know, why they chose to sleep train. I have a few memories that always stick out in my mind. I will never forget this mom hired me, um, to come and help back when I did one-on-ones and I went to her home and there was always this like really sweet, tender, but sometimes like awkward if the person was quiet where I would be in the child's room with you while you were nursing your baby or feeding your baby. And we would just start talking like while we were waiting before we actually started the sleep plan. And this mom was just telling me like, Becca, my last straw was getting shingles. That was the last straw. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I've been sick for seven months and her baby was nine months. She's like, I've been sick for seven months on and off with various different, like, you know, pneumonia, colds, uh, little tiny, like just ailments. And then she was like, I got hit with shingles and was like, I have to change something. (laughs) Um, and I would hate for anyone to feel like, unfortunately, like you said, that's, that's, I don't know why, but that's unfortunately where we are is that people have to hit rock bottom in order to be like, I guess I need help, which is why I'm so passionate about offering our sleep courses at an affordable price. Because it used to be, if you wanted help, Hey, that's a 500, $600 package. And now you have affordable access to sleep help, right? Through lots of different, you know, course styles, but in ours, especially we want to make them affordable. Cause I don't want you to hit rock bottom because you don't have to get to that point. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, as you were bringing up, um, the mom who's hit rock bottom, I still feel like the anti-sleep training community would say, well, don't worry. You know, the days, um, the days are long, but the years are short and like just super unhelpful. Like, like that's just what it's like to be a mom. And I think there's a better way. And I think that your courses and sleep training really paves a better way, a better way for people to live their life. Like we're not just one, it's not just one part of us. And I think too, like we think that being a good mom means giving ourselves up. No, being a good mom is being well-rested to be alert, to be available for, um, their, her older kids or her spouse or whatever it happens to be. So, um, I just don't think it works. I just don't think it works. No, let, let me just tell you my biggest beef. I've never said this out loud. I always said I would never say it, but I feel like now's the time. (laughs) Um, let me tell you my biggest beef with the anti-sleep training movement or like the baby led sleep movement. Um, my biggest problem with these movements and these voices and ideas, which is fine. If you believe this, like that, again, you do you, but if someone wants help, that's not help. If someone wants help saying, just enjoy the snuggles, that's not helpful. If you're like at rock bottom with sicknesses and your marriage is falling apart and you are struggling because you're sleep deprived, it's not helpful to just say, well, just, you know, enjoy the snuggles. The days are long and the years are even longer, you know, like (laughs) it's not helpful. I know. I know. And the chances of you actually remembering those um, long days <laughs> years later are slim when you don't have enough sleep. So you don't even really get to remember and enjoy that time. Um, and I do think that there is a little bit, I mean, I'll be really honest. Like when we began sleep training, there were some, there were some sacrifices, you know, but um, whether that was, 
you know, okay, well, we need to be home by this time. And I mean, you do have to make some sacrifices or grandparents have to give up extra, extra cuddles because the wait time is over. But in general, I think it's worth it in the long run. And, um, yeah, like you said, you have to do you and do what you can to protect your family. So I think most of my naysayers really were older women who just honestly forgot how hard it is to be sleep deprived. And I think they're not living that world right now. And so it's easy to give advice when you're not living the just pure exhaustion. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was, um, there's a couple of really good questions that people sent in. We can kind of start going through those because y'all know I could just talk about this all day long, how much like the parent trolls and things like that bother me. But my hope is that maybe by answering some of your questions, you'll feel more prepared um, and equipped to handle the parent shamers. So I think we've got some questions. We can kind of start chatting through those. Yeah. I think, um, the best question is, and I think you'll get a lot of nice, I think you have a really balanced approach to this is when should you start sleep training? Right. So developmentally, you're not going to begin until that like 16 weeks, four months, you know, the kind of that grayish time where you're like, are they four months? Are they like the 16 weeks? What is that? That's when our programs start. Um, there are programs and there are books that talk about, you can get, (laughs) y'all know what I'm talking about 12 hours by 12 weeks. And I don't believe that at all. Um, there's, there's, um, some large like pediatric firms that talk about like, Oh, you can start doing cry it out, which is extinction method at eight weeks old. And that's not development developmentally appropriate. So you cannot, you're not sleep training a newborn because they are not at all developed and ready for that. But by four months old, once they have these more mature sleep cycles, once they can learn self-soothing, that's when you can start. But like no one should ever be twisting your arm that you have to do that like, like we just talked about, you have to hit that moment where you're like, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm ready for change because maybe at four months, your little one is waking up three times a night and you're fine with it. You're totally good with it. You're happy. Like one of my very best friends, her little one is not at all on like a sleep schedule that I would talk about, but they're fine and they're happy. And that's great. (laughs) That's the measure maternal. We talked about that in podcast episode 120 attachment parenting versus, I'm sorry, attachment theory versus versus secure um, attachment. That was the main hook is it's all about maternal and mental health and well-being. So when should, when can you sleep train? The earliest you can begin is 16 weeks from due date. When should you sleep train when you're ready to make that decision for your family? Yeah. And I think there are always going to be people. And I remember experiencing this, who just have these babies who just fit the mold. They, they nap well, they sleep all at night, they go long stretches. My second daughter actually made it 12. Um, she really did 12 by 12. Um, but then my third daughter didn't. So I realized that that's not always the case, even though I was doing a lot of the same things. I do actually have a question for you about the newborn stage mm-hmm. because I didn't know about that when I was sleep training my kids. So I had always, I wasn't around back then. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's true. You weren't even a mom yet, I guess. But, um, do you still recommend, or do you recommend at least monitoring wake times as newborns? Like clearly we don't want to keep our newborn up for more than that, that early, early newborn stage, 30 to 45 minute wake times. I presume that you'd still like want us to be aware of the sleep cues, start swaddling or start whatever, getting into bed before yeah. we hit too long. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can begin. I talked about this with Hattie. Like we started from the first night in the hospital with her. I did a bedtime routine because it's easy because you can do a little like face wipe down lotion, diaper feed, 
swaddle, put them to sleep. That's a bedtime routine. And so you can start those. We have a great free newborn guide. I'll link it in the show notes, but littlezsleep.com slash newborn guide. You can start these things, just awake times and things like that. You can easily track them with tools like Tally Baby Tracker. You, you can totally do that. I will say like the other caveat to this is if that makes you even... Like if using technology and tracking and being so hyper aware, which you kind of do, you kind of do need to like have the timer of like 45 to 60 minutes. Okay. It's time for a nap, but there does come a point as your baby grows that if that makes you like paranoid, stressed, anxious, then you kind of need to let go of some of the tracking. And maybe just that's when you start developing schedules for your little one. But yeah. So it's okay to kind of practice in a way we're practicing, but we're not going to use any kind of like pick up, put down method until they're reaching that four month, 16 week kind of actually pick up, put down. We teach that in our newborn course. So it's a great okay. question. So yeah, See, I need to, I need to take it just, just to refresh myself on, on those things. And I'm sure too, you would probably recommend like, uh, the five S's or whatever they are, like swaddle, yes. Yes. white noise, all those things. Yeah. Yes. Really good stuff. So if you're listening as a newborn um, parent. Um, and even if you've done our course or not, we have a YouTube video we're going to do later this summer on like, what does pick up, put down look like? Um, but pick up, put down is a sleep method for newborns. It's not training because you are helping them get drowsy. And it literally is just like you would say, pick them up and put them down, pick them up and put them down. Um, and we walk you through that like step-by-step in our newborn course, but it's not, you're not, um, inviting is the wrong word, but they, there is no protest involved with this. Um, once you hit that four month mark, even at the four to five month inside of our programs, that's why that comment where she said being neglectful parents, we use the stay in the room method and a you leave and check method. You are constantly attending to your child. And even if you do choose an extinction method, you have a plan and a purpose for your family. So ooh, I could go on a rabbit trail with that. Sorry. <laughs> Tame myself. How do you handle so so many asked about when you're like, is there is it possible to sleep train once and be like done and good? Or do you feel like it's more like you sleep train, you're gonna hit some transitions and then you kind of have to go back into it? How would you answer that question? So this morning I did a Peloton ride and it was really hard. And I looked at <laughs> the calendar and I was like, oh my gosh, the last time I worked out was a week ago. You cannot work out one time or sustain yourself for two weeks and be like, I'm done for life. (laughs) Like, I wish that's how it worked, but it's not. You have to continually work at these habits that you've developed. Now, I I have said this um, inside of our sleep society last week. I told a mom that I feel like, you know, I don't ever want people to say they failed little Z's sleep (laughs) courses, but like, I think that it would be, the whole purpose is that I don't want you to have to do the newborn program and the baby program and the toddler program and the preschool program for one child. Those, the baby, toddler, and preschool, those are all individual sleep training programs. You may have to do three of the four or two of the four or one of the four, but I've never had a family who said they had to do all four programs like and restart every time, which is why the sleep society is what it is. And that's why we have a heart for providing the podcast, providing blog content to help you tweak things along the way, because it's never once and done. It should be once the foundation is there. Oh, they regressed. Oh, they got sick. Oh, we traveled. I'm going to go back to my plan, back to my plan and refresh them. That's what I would hope. Yeah. Okay. I want to ask a little bit about, cause I know you actually did, I believe it was a podcast or it was either a podcast or blog post about this in the past, but how do you have like a little uh, tool or response that your, your clients can use, your students can use when they get 
um, pushback from grandmas or from aunts or whoever friends, like what would you encourage them to do or say? Yes. So we do have a blog on this and I'll link it below dealing with criticism. Um, one of the most important things is to make sure that someone in your life is in support of you, because if no one around you supports you, that's really hard. And it's also why we chose to do voice memos inside of our program. So at least if you don't have anybody, you've got like Becca in your ear, <laughs> or maybe you're a part of the part of the sleep society and you're on our, our community boards and you can talk about that. Um, but I would say have somebody in your corner that always really helps that you can like talk to them about it. But if anyone in your family is giving you like pressure to stop or telling you that what you're doing is wrong and you're going to hurt the attachment, first of all, you can share with them all the research and we link all of that. Um, and I'll link it below, but you can honestly let them know what sleep deprivation has done for you. And I don't know of any mother who would, well, I mean, I do, I know mothers, (laughs) grandmothers who have told their daughter that they were making a really bad decision by sleep training their child. But I don't know a mother who would, you know, if her daughter would say, mom, I'm doing this because my marriage is falling apart because I have to sleep on the baby's floor every single night. I can never like have an evening with my husband. I can't even have an evening just to go take a walk outside. If I need a break, I've never, I haven't been able to have a girl's night in the past nine months. Like I'm getting sick. I need help. Well, I would hope (laughs) that grandmother would say, I don't agree with your decision, but I honor your decision. Right. So I would want you to share with them the whys. like, and if they're not going to welcome the listening to the whys, then you need to be able to know, like, I'm going to stand firm in my parenting decision, lean on like the little Z's community, lean on those voice memos, but write it down why you wanted to do this. Like if you can go back to your, your paper, your goals page, like, why am I doing this in the first place? I always ask parents to write down, what is it going to mean for your job when you sleep through the night? What is it going to mean for your attitude when you sleep through the night? What's it going to mean for your relationships? What's it going to mean for your child when they're sleeping better, right? Um, Are they chronically fussy and they're chronically also getting sick? This is going to help them. So anyways, that was a very rounded answer to point to. We have to point to like the root of why you're doing this and not just be like, be quiet. This is my decision. You know, if we can show like your stance and your ground, that's, that's always so helpful. So basically it sounds like we need to know our why and our why can be many different things. It could be like you mentioned, social aspects. It could be job related, just job performance. It could be um, marriage related. So let's touch on what you believe are the benefits. Let's talk about benefits for mom and maybe dad too. And then also benefits for your child. Like why does your child physiologically need sleep? Like why is that important? Oh my gosh. That's a good question. So I'm also going to pair this with another story. I've had like, just honestly a handful, like five or less parents get really upset with me on the phone in the last six years, because what I was teaching, um, was wrong because if we go back to the cavemen times, they didn't do this. And one of my colleagues said it best. They were like, yeah, but what was the mortality rate back then? (laughs) I was like, yeah, that's true. Um, but anyways, you know, we think about like, why is sleep important? My favorite quote from, uh, Matthew Walker, Dr. Matthew Walker of why we, why we sleep. He talks about, you know, s- sleep has really not been studied for very long because it's also kind of hard to study sleep. And they, they literally used to think in the old days that when you slept, like you were basically in comatose, like you were dead, you know, you're just breathing. But now I love this quote. He says, 
we're, we're forced to believe and understand now that there is literally no part of your body that goes untouched in rejuvenation and help in like in service when it comes to sleep, literally every part of your body. So because we sleep and when we sleep, it helps to regulate your appetite. Okay. So let's think about that one little piece. I, and when it comes to kids, I have so many families and so many stories of parents who tell me that their child barely eats, whether that's nursing or bottle or even solids that they barely eat because especially for the nursing or the bottle, it's been paired with, this is how you go to sleep. You, you, um, suckle the breast, you suck on the bottle for a few minutes and you go to sleep and then you go into the crib and then they wake up and they see the food as, okay, I have food to go to sleep. And when you change that relationship in our sleep training program or any sleep training fashion that you do this in, the whole goal is now you're feeding the child awake because your brain and your stomach need to connect here. And once we do that, I I say this in our programs within the first like 24 to 48 hours, you need to experience a difference in how your child is eating. And this happens all the time that the child becomes more efficient at eating. They become more excited about eating because they're sleeping and their appetite is regulated. And, and they are able to see food as nourishment and not something that we snooze on. So they're excited about it. So that's that's one really cool thing with also getting a really solid night's sleep. We see, and we know from the science and from the research that our, our whole immune system is better supported. So again, kind of pointing back to sleep and sickness, you know, yes, you're going to be more susceptible to getting sick if you're not sleeping. So those two things are always like the top things for kids, but Again, go read that book, Why We Sleep. Everybody should go read that. But there's such a good parallel to like literally every function of our body is rejuvenated and reset when we sleep. I want to bring up one more, which, you know, really ties into all those other things and it's learning. And I think that like when you think about preparing for an exam as a college student or high school student, you know that you need sleep to be able to function, to be able to to perform well. And I think our children are just going through so many developmental leaps, especially in those later baby stages and then toddler stages as they start to form more advanced mental skills. And without sleep, I, I just genuinely, I, for me, that was always what I told people. If they were giving me a hard time, I was like, my child literally needs to sleep to develop well so that they can learn whether that's reading or counting or whatever it is. Like sleep Mm -hmm. is just so value from valuable from a mental development perspective too. So I, I really honestly can't think of any reason why we should be sleep deprived. I mean, no, I know. I think that they would say, I think it boils down to people who are against it. They believe there's an inherent issue with attachment that we're not forming mm-hmm. a healthy attachment. Oh yeah. That's a huge one that people push back on. Like I'm someone, someone DM me that they said, I got a lot of pushback that I would be breaking the bond between my child and I, and I audio DM'd her back. And I said, I know I've heard that so often. And my comeback is always, I sleep trained Ellie. And I laid, I did from the beginning with Hattie, just like sleep foundations and then barely even had to sleep train her. We cuddle and snuggle every single night before they go to bed. I have the best relationship with them. They're, they're sick of me saying how much I love them. Like, like they, that is such a good, like, and you think about your, your 10 year old, right? Like if sleep training broke the bond between a parent and a child, why would this be a career path? Like, why would this be something that is, that is a thing? And there are, 
there are platforms out there that say that what I do should be illegal. And I'm not even like sugarcoating that. Like there are anti-sleep training accounts and consultants who say that what I do, I should be in jail for what I teach and what I do. It's hardcore. Like I talked about this on Instagram and then I went over to buy my business community. Um, with, we have about 130 sleep consultants that I business coach. And I posted that, like that thing that someone said, and just the comments of the women, of the women being like, yeah, someone told me that kind of like that yesterday. Oh yeah. Someone screamed at me on the phone last week because how dare I, you know, tell her that it's okay for her baby to cry. And I actually, this my brain just went off. Um, Chad, my amazing, wonderful husband is the best at diffusing difficult situations. And we had a team meeting, um, a couple of months ago because we were having just really big emotions, bringing in new team members. And like, I'm kind of used to this right now. Like I'm used to getting these comments and how to diffuse them. But when you bring new people in who are like really excited about your business, they are like, no, don't say that about Becca. You know what I mean? So he had the perfect statement for it. In the sleep deprived world, in the sleep consulting world, we deal with emotionally charged people. Like they're exhausted and they're emotionally charged and there's like no filter on their mouth. And I, I, I hate that that's a thing, but then you look at like what a well-rested person feels like and acts like, and it's completely different, you know? And I, I definitely have had people say, well, like, where's the research to back that up? Like, can you tell me that I'm going to be a happier person when I'm well-rested? I'm like, there is no research out there that's going to tell you that you will be happier and you're going to be a nicer person. You're just going to feel good. Right. Um, which all the benefits of good sleep, all the benefits of good sleep bring that. Yeah. I mean, that's such a dumb thing to, I'm sorry, maybe dumb is the word. It's such a <laughs> weird thing to say. I'm like, have you had sleepless nights before where you felt amazing? Like how have you felt on when you've been jet lagged? Like, do you feel amazing? Okay. What about when you get eight hours of sleep? Like of course you're going to be happier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, myself were snappier. You snap at your husband, you snap at your kids talking about attachment. Like, and this came up a lot in your comments, just like people feeling like they could actually be a better mom, just a nicer person. Sometimes just being a nicer person to be around. Yes. Um, but it's still honestly in the back of my head and there are, and you and I know there are people out there who only need a few, well, they say, you know, they need maybe six hours of sleep or something. And they're good. And there are people like that, like granted, they're just special, Mm -hmm. but I am not, I'm an eight hour kind of girl. And so when I don't get that, I'm not the same person. And maybe I'm not as good as the person who needs only six hours. That's a special gift. But knowing that that's my minimum, I take care to get that. I mean, obviously it's not always possible, especially when you're doing night feedings, but in general, especially older babies, you should be moving towards that direction. Right. Well, and, and, um, Matthew Walker talks about that in his book that everyone kind of has their different magic number. That's because everybody is different, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. every single one of us. And that's what, that is kind of what boils down to like, you know, I, I am fine. If you want to be all about the, you know, I don't want to sleep train. I want to co-sleep. I want to bed share. I want to have a family bed where all my children come. (laughs) girl, you do you, if that's what makes you happy and you love that and you thrive in that, like do it like, you know, absolutely. I think this, I think this is wonderful for you. If that works for you, if that, if, if sleep training works for you and, and this is the route that works for you do that. But what makes me so mad about parent shamers and comments like this person is that they have no care about the maternal mental health of the person who's making that decision. 
Yeah. Well, not only do they have no care, they're, they're making them feel worse about their decisions. Mm-hmm. You're already sleep deprived and you're exhausted and you're feeling bad because you're not where you want to be. And someone calls you neglectful. Like, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's even worse. And exactly. So, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I've never met the unicorn person that you're describing who just like loves sleep or bed sharing and like gets amazing sleep. I think typically people fall into that because they don't have the tools or maybe they've been shamed into thinking that they can change it. Or they just feel like this is just the way it has to mm-hmm. be this way. And they're, they get stuck in this pattern. And before they know it, their two-year-old or three-year-old is in their bed. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know too many husbands, moms maybe put up with more, but I don't know too many husbands who enjoy that at all. So here's what I was thinking before we hopped on, you know, I was like, this is an interesting thought. Why is it that if, if someone were to come to you as a mom and be like, Oh my gosh, girl, like my six-year-old is getting up 10 times a night. And like the, the only thing that works is if I bring them to my bed or I give them like the tab, the iPad to watch YouTube, you would say, Hey, I think we should probably get some help with that. Like, I think think that's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. But if you were to say, Oh my gosh, my 16 month old is up 10 times a night. And I don't like, I don't, the only thing that I can do to like stop it and finally get her to sleep is bring her to my bed and just like, like rub her head to go to sleep. Or sometimes I just put on like Mickey mouse and she just goes back to sleep. I have heard both of those scenarios. I have worked with both of those scenarios. I've worked with the eight-year-old watching YouTube throughout the night that we've radically changed. But why is it that you're okay and be like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We should get your six-year-old to sleep. But your baby or your toddler, you're like, oh no, you're going to break the bond. Mm -mm, You're going to break the bond. (laughs) Like why? Why? Well, and this, and the 16 month old turns into the six-year-old. You've got to break the pattern at some point. If you don't, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't magically resolve itself. And I think that's why people who aren't in the stage anymore. Yeah. Cause I guess they can physically remove themselves from the room. But like, I think that's what people who have forgotten, they've literally forgotten. Maybe they were so tired when they were um, raising their kids that they've forgotten just how hard it is to get your kids to go to sleep, you know, and at the preschool age, they have stronger wills. They're physically stronger. They can remove themselves. They can scream louder. I just feel like yesterday was the best day to start in, in a lot of these things. Um, so, oh yeah, no, I've never, ever had anyone say, Oh, Becca, your program was amazing. I just, I'm so grateful for it. You know, my only regret is that I should have done this a couple of months, not now, but like a couple of months in the future, I shouldn't have done it now. I should have done it later. No one's ever said that. They've always said like, I regret that I didn't do this sooner. Yeah. And I think that's, su- that's super powerful too. I mean, and I'm not just like trying to toot the horn of like, oh yeah, our programs work. Like, if, you know, you find the sleep strategy and the sleep method, which is a whole nother thing that we didn't even get into. You find the sleep method and the street sleep strategy that works for you. But I can come to the table with our experience of 500 families one-on-one and 10,000 plus families in our courses and tell you this. So that's when that grandmother told me, well, I had nine kids and I never had to do this. I was able to say, well, at the time, well, I've worked with 300 children. (laughs) And this is what I've seen. So, you know, it just, yeah, I think it's one of those things that you kind of have to put in perspective, which is good because, you know, if you're having these struggling thoughts of like, well, I think if I sleep train, it's going to break the bond of my baby. I think if I sleep train, then I, you know, then my child is going to distrust me or, you know, they're going to have, I don't even know what other garbage could be out there, but what I would do first is I would delete social media. 
Okay. If like you're on the fence about what to do, like get off of social media, give yourself a good two week clean break. And then think about with a clear head with your own mind and your own situation. Like, what should I do? Because I guarantee you, you're being manipulated on social media one way or the other, or both. And you're getting yourself confused. The best thing that I did, which was the other podcast we were going to talk about, which we'll do another time was about margin and motherhood. And I took a week off of social media. Not one time did I I compare myself to another account that was similar to my, in my field, not once. And I was so happy. And I know Chad saw that I was happier because I wasn't like looking down at my phone being like, Oh, this person did this really awesome thing. I'm like, Oh, I wish I had this many numbers. Get off, get off of social media, clear your head and then come to the table ready to make a plan. I love it. Yep. Yep. Those detoxes are really, really valuable. And also they just force you to be more present and realize like you have a life, like, and there are people around you who need you and that you can live on. And, um, I think that's a really valuable tool. Yes. Well, I need to take my own advice sometimes. So this was helpful for me to say, it's very cathartic. Okay. This was so good. Um, I feel like we could do a million parts of this. Um, but I, I hope this was helpful. I know it's going to be something that someone out there needed. And, um, I appreciate you digging into this with me. 100%. Thanks for having me. Hey, I told you we were going to get into the nitty gritty, my thoughts, my opinions, my, my raw thoughts on this whole concept of parent shamers on anti-sleep training, on answering your questions about sleep training. So I really appreciate you being here. I don't think we'll be offering another podcast like this again for a long time, but I hope that it was helpful. And if it was, shoot me a DM on Instagram at Little Z Sleep. If you are consistently listening to this podcast and you are enjoying the strategies and the help, and this podcast has has brought you into the idea and the world that you can be a well-rested and happy mom and a happy, healthy, and well-rested family, would you do me a huge favor and leave us a review and rate the podcast? If you will hint, hint, wink, wink, tap those five stars and share just a a sentence or two about what you are getting from this podcast. What are you enjoying about this podcast? Just give us a little review. I would appreciate that so much. It continues to help our reach and I'm grateful for you being here every week. Sweet dreams. See you next time.